Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. A couple of guests with us. This is Harold's niece, right? Nice to have this young lady with us. And uh, Ron, did I, is it right, Ron? Good to have Ron with us. We have not seen him in a couple of months or a couple of years. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, they sent me a photo of all those that are at the pumpkin patch. Brother Cliff, did they send that to you also? Might as well put that up there because I think uh, there's more at the pumpkin patch than possibly here today. So if Clifford, uh, Brother Cliff, can get that and put that up there. But amen, uh, we, uh, we certainly... Uh, we appreciate our Sunday school department and youth and all that they do. Amen. And I'm sure they'll they'll get some kind of a lesson out there uh, somewhere. Amen. Praise God. But uh, wow, what a uh, what a last couple of days we've had. Huh? anybody has anybody else had a, an exciting last few days? I want to uh, want to read uh, a couple of scriptures to you, but before I do, I just want to kind of give you an idea of what uh, I I was I came about. Whew, it was so close at eleven o'clock last night, calling Brother Jeff Woods and saying, "Hey Jeff, uh, you got to cover for." I guess it's a good thing I didn't. But anyway, just part of part of my story is funny, but part of it is uh, uh, is I think important as far as what I had to say this morning. There's the pumpkin patch. A few people out there. A couple of those guys don't look very young to me, but just saying. But uh, yesterday I was here uh, preparing and uh, got a got a phone call from my daughter and she's in Prosser and uh, with one of the grandkids Danica's got a game there and my wife drove or Cooper had a game there a football game and my wife drove there. To watch the game, and I said, "Well, I got to get ready." And uh, so she says, "My car won't start, Prosser." And I said, "Well, what does it do, you know, or what doesn't it do?" So I said, "Sorry, oh, sorry, disappointment." And so finally, she gets it started, and I said, "Okay, well, don't turn it off. Drive it home. Drive it home." So. I uh, get there about the same time she pulls up, and the idea was to get into the other car, right, and go on with life. Well, she gets out of one car, goes to the other car, and the other car doesn't start. I have plenty of cars, okay? So 
not a problem. I say, you take my car. And uh, so she did. And then I'm, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, little bit later that evening. I get a call from uh, the hospital. And uh, one of my brothers, now it's funny, but it's not funny. One of my brothers, my brother lives here in Kennewick, he got ran over in the Walmart parking lot. Ah, he was in the hospital, so make a beeline there. And, and uh, my brother's neighbor had, uh, had taken him to Walmart to buy a little bit of groceries. And neighbor says, and uh, he came walking out of Walmart and some young guy drove what was for whatever reason I don't wasn't paying attention drove and hit him and knocked him onto his head on the asphalt and neighbor says and the tire was on top of him top of his leg and he says I had to push the car off of his leg and uh, then the kid ran and so my brother's neighbor had to run him down and catch him and hold him for the police. So I'm in the hospital and, and uh, with my brother, and lo and behold, Lisa got good nurses at Trios, Brother Clifford's daughter there. She says, I didn't know you had a brother. Said, well, he's got five of them. So anyway, uh, they, uh, we didn't know, you know exactly no broken bones. They had to staple up his head, and uh, they released him. So I'm driving, driving home, and uh, there was a call that had came through early. I'm driving my brother home, trying to get him situated, and, and uh, so I um, I phoned this person back, and and they said. Hey, we were on our way to Yakima, and our car had a blowout. <laughs> what? <laughs> and and uh, I says, well, he says, yeah, we just want to know if it's okay to have it towed in and park it at the church. I says, well, sure, but how are you getting home? And they said, well, we got that covered. And I was saying, well, I was kind of hoping you were calling me so I could pick you up. And I said, what I will do is I'll were in the car, my, I'm taking my brother, transferring from the hospital to his home. I'll just, you know, take my brother got ran over by the car and got his head stapled. I'll drop him off, and then I'll come and pick you up. <laughs> Amen. And so I thought I was right on the edge of calling Brother Jeff, but I said, eh, I don't want to throw him under the bus. And... Uh, because I really felt like that what I have to say might be important. I don't know why, but it, it may be important. So here we go. So that's my little, that's how I arrived today. Although I did not get up until 20 minutes to 4, I usually get up at 3.30 on Sunday. So I, I did sleep in for 10 minutes. So I'm a little behind. All right, here we go. Genesis 47, going to read verse number 15. And then we're going to read Acts 
3, 1 through 6. And by the way, while I was here this morning trying to finish, got two messages of people here, medical emergency. Let you know. One of them, well, just never mind. Was a little dizzy. All right, here we go. Genesis 47, 15. I don't know, maybe uh, something has tried very, very hard to keep you awake this morning. But I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. I don't give up very easily. Not anyone. Here we go. Verse number 15, chapter 47 of Genesis. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, or why should we die in thy presence for the money has failed. And in Acts 3, I'm going to read all six verses here. Now, Peter and John, we pretty much quote this, huh? Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. Kind of like, not to belittle people, but kind of like the people that are on the corner of 395 and so on and so forth. You know, understand. That's kind of what uh, they were witnessing. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he, the man that was lame, gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I thee in the name of Joshua, in the name of Jesus Christ, Jehovah God manifest in flesh of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. And I would like to speak to you this morning on the thought, when your money fails. And I ask Brother McCune if he would pray for us. Amen. The Lord bless you. And uh, I hope at losing the little, I lost the little sock for the mic again. You may be seated. I always lose it. So hopefully it doesn't sound uh, any differently. 
I'd like to begin this morning by uh, showing you a couple of uh, couple of photos. Hey, Cliff, if you would, yeah, can you enlarge that at all? Anyway, uh, I thought they could, but there we go. There we go. How many of you have witnessed seeing these posted lately? Oh, haven't? Some of you haven't? Oh, my, they're quite, uh, they're quite everywhere. And then uh, the other one. Seen that one? Well, how in the world can they have a coin showing up? Really? How do you have a coin showing up? I mean, somebody's got an answer, but I don't know it. In our reading to you from the book of Genesis, notice now that time period was ordained of God. God had his hand in it. Did he not, Sister Reyes? He did. He had raised Joseph up. However, in that particular time, there was a famine that arrived. And what took place was their money became worthless. And what happened was they had to come to Joseph, who was vice president for the most part, and they had to trade their cattle, whatever they had. And the government took those proceeds. In other words, what took place was they became dependent on the government of Egypt. Because the money that had brought them to that point, that had been the currency, the trading currency of the day, no longer worked. According to a publication called the Nomad Capitalist Dollar. The U.S. dollar has lost 97% of its purchasing power in the last 100 years. It goes on to say, for those in the know, the question isn't if the dollar will collapse, but rather when. We'll get to a good place here. According to a gentleman named Doug Casey, who is some kind of a financial guru, he says the U.S. will be prepared ahead of time with a new electronic currency that will serve three purposes. One, it will allow the U.S. government to blame paper currency.
currency for the crash. This will distract the public from recognizing the government is the cause of the crash. Number two, this will allow the U.S. government to create a currency system that disallows the holding of a tradable currency by the population. A debit card would be created by banks through which all transactions must pass, assuring that all transactions are processed by and thereby subject to the control of a bank. Number three, it will allow the U.S. government to have knowledge of every penny earned and spent by an individual or an organization allowing for direct debit income taxation. Let me put up a third photo. Now, I told Brother Cliff he, he has to trash this as soon as we show it. Secret. <clears throat> of course, hold on to that for a minute. The U.S. government currently is only $29 trillion in debt, which amounts to 86000 per citizen. However, that amount is 229000 per taxpayer. Brother Alex, you owe $229,000. And you didn't even know that, did you? We owe seven trillion trillion to other countries, China and Japan, the leaders. This little this but you you can I want you to understand a government that puts you twenty nine trillion dollars in debt, they got it all together. They got it together. And just to show you how well they got it together, I'm going to show you a real live example. Now, I started, because I don't really trust the government, I started collecting Social Security at 62. Because I told my wife, and I had to really convince her, I says, I am not going to take the chance of waiting till I'm 66 because if I perish in between, the government gets all my money that I put into Social Security. Did you know that? I said, now, even if they were just to give you half, I'd be okay. 
But there's no way I'm going to take a chance and give a man any more money. Not happening. So, if you collect early, they start debiting you if you make too much money. Now, once I left the car business, I took a little bit of reduction in wages. Okay? However, between 62 and 66, because they said I made too much money, they would automatically deduct a certain amount of my money every month, Social Security, mind you, until I had paid it in full. Once I hit 66, Kathleen was really happy. She said, oh boy, now you can make all the money you want with no penalty. And so I'm 67. I know I don't look it. Somebody told me the other day I look 55. I said, thank you very much. I tell my grandkids sometimes I wake up and I feel like I'm 50. They said, what? Oh. So I get this letter. Now, how many of you have had a few checks the last year and a half or two years from the government? Now you've, yeah. Everybody's, yeah. Man, it just rolls in, right? Like, so I get this letter. Here and whenever. And I think, well, it's a scam. Fake. Because what they're telling me is now, what they're saying is, they're saying, Chike, we love you. From Social Security. Because we, retirement survivors in disability insurance. I'm a survivor. And they say, Chike, we love you. We love you so much that apparently we've looked over your account and we're going to send you a check for $4,000. Now that's one sentence. Now the next sentence says, and your next scheduled payment will be $324. They get that. Revenue, they don't have any clue what they're talking about, right? They're not, the government's not going to give me a check for $4,000. And then I'm thinking, well, what they're saying is that they've looked at my past. They see, I, I'm a good citizen. I'm a good taxpayer. I, I do all the good things. And so they're going to increase my monthly earnings by $324 because now I'm 67. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. So not too long ago, we get a check for $4,000. And the next month. My Social Security check goes from here to $324. I'm like, what? Now, you tell me how that makes sense. Now, I'm, I'm saying that my Social Security check went here to in the dump. And have you ever tried to call somebody from the government? I've got an emergency. I'm saying, help me. I can't live on $324. And so I go through one. We spend four hours on the phone to this one. 
four hours on the phone to this one, four hours on the phone to this one, and finally, I'm going crazy. And I'm saying, please, can I just walk in an office? You know, like real people do? Can I just walk in an office and, and say, hi, can you help me? No, it's not possible. And they tell me, well, you're going to have to appeal it. I say, come on. Now, you, why would you, in one hand, give me a $4,000 raise, and then in the next hand, reduce my earnings by $1,800 a month for the rest of my life? She says, well, here's a good idea. She says, until you go through the appeal, why don't you pay, why don't you use the $4,000 pay appeal? I'm like, is this real? Is this real? I mean, can they do this to me? The real deal, friend. They're so crazy, they don't have a clue what they're doing. I'm thinking, man. Okay, so you know how it is, though, right? lesson in it. Okay, the lesson is what? Well, the lesson is don't get so absolutely crazy and psycho that you go out there and you kick in the door of the government office and, and you know, and all that stuff. So I say you that just to let you know. Okay? Uh, there have been several that have predicted the collapse of the U.S. dollar by the end of 2021. I don't know why. Now, according to CNN, Christian News Network, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, that's who I should be yelling at, she warned lawmakers last week that the federal government will likely run out of cash by October 18 unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. Right? I know. We're not as smart as them. $29 trillion, you want to raise the debt ceiling. How high is the ceiling? Because she says, if they don't, the U.S. could default on its debt in a matter of weeks if Washington fails to act. A default would likely be catastrophic, tanking markets in the economy and delaying payments to millions of Americans. Apparently, they got a head start on me. The statement does not help what already is in place. She says there is a phrase in... Or there is a writing in the financial markets called the October effect. You ever heard of it? <laughs> Go ahead, just Google it. And so what she says is, she says, I've got this great idea, okay? Because Congress has to come into unity in order to pass a bill. 
that's impossible. She says, I got a better idea. Instead of having to butt heads every six months to give us a new credit card, she says, here's a really good idea. Let's remove the debt ceiling. Now, I don't even know what that means. The only way I can understand that statement is to put on my Kennewick High School diploma cap. And it would be like me, you, okay, debt ceiling, no debt ceiling, okay? It would be like you giving your teenager a credit card with no limits. be a rocket scientist to understand, <laughs> wait a minute, the, are you, have they completely gone crazy? Here's what, uh, one very smart person said this concerning the national he said, rich countries don't borrow money. That was some guy named Trump. So my question is, is Revelation 13 relevant to what we are experiencing in real time? You'll have to read it. I think most of you understand what I'm talking about. Buy, sell, or trade. And I would like to bring two stories that I find a source of encouragement in this area. Because we are not children of darkness. We are children of the light. It is not hidden from the believer what is going to take place. We are not going to be caught off guard. We may be surprised. It may be shock and awe. But it, will, it cannot surprise me what is going to take place. So let me share a couple of stories with you. One is found in 2 Chronicles 34. There's a young man that has just become king. His name is Josiah. He decides at 16, he's going to clean things up. 16. Oh man, what a powerful story, eh? Another story of Josiah. He begins to clean that. He tears down idol worship. He, he destroys bell altars. He begins to clean things up because his predecessor, his dada, had shut the gates of the temple, turned off the lights, and boarded it up. 
Josiah says at 16, he says, I'm going to clean things up for the glory of God. And what does he do? Bible says that he begins to clean up his nation, false religion. He then goes on to repair the house of God. You need to read verse number 14 very carefully. 34, 14. Listen carefully. It says, and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, that Hilkiah the priest, he found a book of the Lord given by Moses. Imagine that finding a copy of the Bible in the house of God. What happened? Read it. The people had lost their way. Money, the Bible does say that money answereth all things. Believe it, it's in there. Brother Simeon Anderson, he educated me on that. Say, come on, Brother Anderson. You know it's in there. Oh, yeah, it is. It's in there. Google it. But what was happening was that that Josiah, he was using, he had used the money to repair the house of God, to pay the electric bill, to turn on the lights, to repair the doors. And when he got through and the money had run its course, then the high priest found a copy of what was really the treasure in the house of God. It was this book. You, Money will never be the answer to repairing a nation's relationship with God. No matter how nice we make our house of worship, Money will make it look nice, but when money has run its course, we need to find the real purpose, the real treasure that is laying dormant sometimes in the very house of God. It is the power of transformation in people's lives. It is the Word that was made flesh only we preach the old and the new as one. Jehovah in the Old Testament. He became my Savior in the New Testament. And it is the name of Jesus that will transform people. It's not the, it is not the bright lights. It's not the sound of the music. It is the work of God. It's the word of God that makes the house of God the house of God. Very first thing Jesus did when he issued in his ministry, he went into the house of God. They gave him the book of uh, Isaiah. He turned right to it. He says that the anointing of the Lord is upon me. Because why? Because uh, I preach the gospel. 
the good news that will bring healing and transformation to people's lives. He said, in this day, that transformer is standing right in front of you. He understood, listen, it's when God, the Word made flesh, when He came into His own and some of His own received Him as the Son of God in all of His glory, in all of His power, in all that His name encompasses. He was the Word made flesh. The treasure. Listen, folks, whatever reason we come to the house of God, first and foremost, it is the Word that has been delivered unto the saints of the Most High. It is your Bible. You got a covenant. You got to treasure it. You got to read it. You got to eat it. You got to consume it. The world will try to solve its problems with social monetary gifts that will encourage the people thinking that they are in good hands. But oh, there's coming a day you think your bank account is powerful. You think your bank account is untouchable. Don't kid yourself. Treasure is in right there. It's the Word of God. Watch what happens. Verse 18 and 19, And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the law, Josiah, that he rent his clothes. In other words, when the Word goes forth, it brings conviction and conviction works repentance in the hearts of men, and repentance works humility, and God can work with a, with a humble soul. And the king went up, he rent his clothes, verse 30, and the king went up into the house of the Lord, all of the men of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, all the people, great and small, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. You understand? Listen to me. God, we believe in tithing. We believe in giving unto the Lord such as prospers and helps the ministry to support them and to grow and to evangelize the world. But don't kid yourself. God has a whole lot more to give than to satisfy just the dollar bill. He comes to you. Listen, that word of God will come to you in all of the glory in which it was written. 
Bible says that the Word of God has no, has a word, has no change. The Word of God is not bound. That's what it says. The Word of God is not bound. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant. And the people, verse 31 and 32, the people did not just hear the words, they renewed their I wish that every time that we came to the house of God, I could do this. That the foremost of my mind would be, God, I will not leave your house. I will not leave your house until I renew my covenant with you at that altar of repentance. I will not leave your house, God until I am absolutely sold out to you again like I was the day that I repented and I was baptized. I want that same fire burning in my soul, Brother Jack. I want that same spirit that that baptized me. I want it to burn before I leave the house of God. I'm not here, we are not here to play games. We are here in preparation for the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time. The Bible says in chapter number 35, tells us the result of the people's rededication. It all started, listen, they, once they got rid of the money, they found the book. Once they found the book, then the heart began to be touched again by the God of the Word. Look what happens. Chapter 35 and verse number 18, the Bible says that they then began to celebrate with purified hearts, with new commitments to God. The Bible says that they began to celebrate the Passover and they celebrated for seven days. And the writer here says there had never been a celebration like this in all of the history of the kings from Samuel. And it all started because they found the treasure after the money had run its course. That priest finally found what was important. He found the book and he began to share it and to teach it and to preach it. The second place we want to go is what we read. Acts 3, the church is young. Chapter 2 tells us that they are at least 3,000 strong. If you read chapter number 2, it says that the church did what they needed to do to help those in need. They sold things and gave to those in need. Just reading the scripture to you. I'm not telling you that you got to do that, all right? I'm just making a point here. 
right? They had to get their priorities right at the beginning, the foundation. God is showing the church the principle, foundations for what it takes to make this thing go. The Bible says that they sold, some sold all they had and they gave to those that were in need. They were establishing a fellowship of new converts. They were helping those in need. And then we're told in chapter four or in chapter three, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. Don't know how old he was, but he was an adult. Let's put it that way. They lay daily at the gate to the temple called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered the temple. Notice the boldness of Peter's words. Peter, fastening his eyes on the man, said, Look on us. The man was looking for a dollar. A dollar is not going to solve the man's problem. Peter knew that. And God had emptied his pockets already in order for him not to be able to give to the man monetarily. He had already emptied his pockets. He could have possibly been on that trip and a few bucks in his pocket. He could have tossed the... Watch this. He could have tossed the man. Hey, that was a gift from your dad. A little silver and a little gold. If he would have had money in his pocket, Sister Reyes, could it not have worked that he would have, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit busy, sir. I am the Apostle Peter, and we have like things to do, right? We're going to the house of God. So there you go, man. See what that'll do for you. No, you understand that Peter had already exhausted his resources when it came to what he, the world was expecting. He had sold out. And so he, Brother Jake, he couldn't have given what he didn't have. He didn't have anything to help the man buy a loaf of bread. But he said, look on us. Is not the world in great expectation of the bride of Christ? Are they not pointing the finger and expecting something that will transform their life? They have already received from the hand of the government and they have regressed. And they, Peter with all boldness, he says, just 
look on us. Come on, bold church. You got Holy Ghost in you? Come on, you got Holy Ghost in you? You got the truth of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in you? And so Peter says, silver and gold ain't got. He says, but I do have something. He says, I got something. Do we really understand the power of that name? That is the name that gave his life blood. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. And Peter, in case you're wondering, far as I know, this is the first recorded miracle of the church. Peter, he said, look, he took the lame guy by the hand and he simply jerked him up. And the Bible says that the man immediately received strength in his Legs, or his feet and ankles, one of the two. Come on. Understand? This is it. There have been, there have been too many church carriers of the lame guy that are okay with the idea of setting him down at the entryway of the church. And tossing them like we did, pardon me, but last week we tossed a 50 out there and we tossed a 100 out there to some folks that were in need that asked for help, yeah. We tossed a $100 bill out there and we tossed a $50 bill out there to help. But you understand, is it, that is not the gospel of the book. That's not the gospel of the Son of God. That's not the gospel of this assembly. That is not my gospel. My gospel is that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you can receive your healing. Are you with me? Look on us. I pray that that is the message that they take to Indianapolis this this next week as a general conference meets. And if you've never been to one, it is a sight to behold when you have a few ten thousands of apostolics walking around and the, the world looks and they say, whoa, 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 what is all of this going on? I hope that the message is, look on us. And he, leaping up, stood and walked 
and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. The gate beautiful was more valued than all the other eight gates. While all the other gates were overlaid with silver and gold, the gate beautiful was made of fine Corinthian leather. For you that don't know, you have to go back to the Cordoba days. Anybody remember that? The Cordoba, Chrysler Cordoba, made with fine Corinthian leather. I forget the guy's name, Madolfo something or another. What is he? Thank you. But the gate beautiful, it was more valuable than the rest of them. The gate beautiful was made of fine Corinthian brass. It excelled in workmanship and value than all the others. The gate beautiful served as the principal entrance into the temple. In other words, once they got inside the gate, there was the Gentile court and the women's court. And all. They had like 13 chests, treasure chests there. Nine for the, the, uh, uh, nine for the Levites in the temple, and the other four were for just general offerings. They weren't going to cut either. They were going to make sure that there was a you know, basket here and there and everywhere. But my point is that, is that once they got into that area, they were still reminded of the money situation. But, oh, I'm here to tell you that inside the temple represents the very presence of God. It's the money needs to be kept on the outside per se. And when we come into this building, when we come into the sanctuary, it's not about the money. It's about the glory and the manifestation of God. But the Greek word beautiful carries the sense of a couple of different thoughts. The word beautiful in the Greek, number one, it, it carries the, the reference of at the right time. And two, it means ripe, and fully developed. Notice the focus of the early church. Money had run its course, but it had failed to bring healing to the man. There is a good chance this man had received thousands of dollars down through the years, but money had failed to bring him to healing. Peter and John had emptied their pockets. Their focus, you understand? Once the money is gone, you no longer focus on the money. Whoa, <laughs> right? Once the money's gone, I got bucks. And so, notice what, this is the early church, okay? This is the first miracle. 
Their focus, number one, Peter and John together. That early church was focused on unity. 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 Not division. The world has division. The world is trying to divide us, even the assembly. We have to focus on unity. You make your choices. That is your God-given right. But my God-given right is to make my choices also. And don't try to put me in some kind of a boxcar and isolate me somewhere. Their focus was on unity. Brother Austin, Sister Courtney, I love you guys. You guys are such great people. And I pray and I hope that anytime they get around anybody in this assembly, that they hear uplifting things, that they hear positive things, that they hear things that bring us together, not rumors and tattletellers and Oh, you don't want to be around that person. They're a snake in the grass. You understand? Is it if there was ever a day when the church has got to be the church, we have got to be together. you got to encourage me. I've got to encourage you. Because there is a day coming. Excuse me, there is a day already here. And notice they were focused on the house of God. They were focused on the house of God. Were they or were they not? In other words, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they couldn't wait to get there. You, listen, you are looking at a preacher, just an ordinary Christian fella that's got a call of God in his life. Not very often will you ever witness me missing this assembly. Why? Because... You understand that I found the book, the message in the house of God. I found my relationship that was enhanced by prayer in the house of God. I received encouragement from you from the house of God. I lifted my voice in praise in the house of God. I have witnessed miracles. And their focus was on prayer. Their focus was on unity. Their focus was on, let's get to the house of God. And when we get to the house of God, let's remember that I have called my house a house of prayer. I believe their 
expectations were high. They needed they needed to exceed the expectations of the world. I don't think you got that. Peter and John, that church of the early, they needed to exceed the expectations that was coming from that plain world. They were only expecting a handout. That, oh, the church had something that was going to bring healing to that man. And once he received his healing, he was going to join that church. As the Bible says that he went with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Well, what do you think he's got? What do you think I'm supposed to do? What do you think I'm going to do when I have the opportunity to come to the house of God? What do you think I'm going to do, sit on my hands? You think I'm just going to sit here and be casual? As you stand. Did I say the word beautiful has connotations of at the right time? Nice shade, Sam. I got Maui dressed for this. How many of you believe that God hath brought us to such a time as this? Alex, I love you, man. Some of you don't even know what that man has gone through. Sister Janie, you have got a pedigree in you. She, her ancestry. Runs deep. Do you believe that God hath brought us to such a time as this? Do you believe that he ordained that we be here for such a time as this? Do you believe that the church is, is going to go out in the grand finale? in all of its glory and splendor? Or do we think that we have to succumb to a lukewarm Laodicea? Because that's what the world calls us in general. You got no power to shake Laodicea. You're lukewarm. You ain't got no... You got a baptism of what? I got a baptism of lukewarmness. Thank you very much. Now, oh, yeah, I understand. Wow. I feel this, Brother 
understand? Building. I don't know. The October effect is in play. Google it. All I know is that God very much impressed me with this message tonight. And I just had this thought that some of us are possibly, we're concerned more with our future financial status. Now, I'm not belittling that, okay? You're talking to a guy that's got a $324 income next month. I'm not worried because Kathleen's got retirement. I'm in overtime. That's okay. Oregon lost yesterday and in overtime. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. You know why? Because God showed me something early on in my early years when I was still washing cars. I had nobody in the church except a couple of old ex-cons. I had nobody in the church. All I knew was to walk past that ball field. And when I got to church, a preacher, he said, man, you got to come to church and Buddy, you got to worship God, and you got to come to church, and you got to look right, and dress right, and smell right, and, and give right. So I gave. I gave, and lo and behold, I went to the refrigerator one night, and that booger was empty. There was nothing in there. That was, that was before bottled water, okay? There wasn't even a bottle of water in it. There was nothing in my fridge. I said, Lord, I don't think this is really what you had in mind. I have been faithful to you. I have. You understand that? Uh, I thought, and at least, I had given him my everything. And I guess this is the way it works. And I've shared this with you before. And my favorite food at the time was sweet potato. And no more had I said those words than, oh boy, who's that? Bill Collector. I opened the door, and there's a brother from the church, and he's got a large sweet potato. And he says, Brother, I just felt impressed that I was the clean chalice of your life. Do you know what that did for me? It knocked my lights out. Never again, I say this honestly, never again have I ever worried about it. I knew that God was going to take care of me. You know why? Because I sought him first. There's only one month in our history at this assembly 
Or there might have been a couple early on when we were, you know. But in the last probably 15 years, there's only been one month when we have not met our bills in this assembly. And it, the weird thing was, we were $5,000 short. Got a couple of board members here tonight. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know what happened. You know, I think I'll look at the tithing report and it'll give me the answer, right? What happened? But so Sunday after church, a really, really good friend of mine that I used to golf with. Won him on the golf course, baptized him. Frank Trent, I can tell you his name now. He says, tell me about that baptism. You know, when they tell you that they need to talk to you after church, all I say is uh, thank you for not doing it from the beginning because then my mind gets frazzled and I can't think on my thought, right? So when they say after church, I'm like, oh boy. I always tell people, do I need to wear my heart out? And so we're in there talking a little bit, and he says, I just felt like I needed he pulls out the brown envelope, right? The gangster type thing, right? He pulls out the, the, the brown envelope. There is $5,000 in the envelope. I don't worry about that. I don't worry about personal. And I don't worry about church to church. We've got a pretty good setup here, we, so on and so forth. But you understand, I don't, that's not my focus. My focus is on trying to create an environment of the Word of God and enhance it and inspiring you to worship Him because worship produces something that is just unbelievable. Brother Holly, All I'm saying is that when the money fell, you got the treasure right there. The IRS would have it. And they just opened the altar front here this morning and invites you to come. Spend a few minutes and seek the Lord. Rededicate your life. Whatever you feel like God is dealing with you in a certain area. If you need a miracle, that's his deal, not mine. Okay? I'll just believe. And I'll pray. And we'll see what he will do for you. But if you need salvation this morning, if you need to be baptized this morning, if you need the Holy Ghost, this is it. This is, it's time. It's time. It's October the 3rd. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. Would you come? Join us in the front this morning. If they find something to sing. And join us in worship. If you need special prayer, you come right down here to the front, front of the pulpit. And, uh, we will anoint you with oil and we will pray.
Amen. We'll believe with you that God's going to do something mighty. Mike, do you need special prayer? Is that what you need? Okay. All right. Do we have any men that will help us here? Any men? Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. That's it, Mike. Come on. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. That's it. We're believers. Hallelujah. We believe in the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who else? Brother Ali needs prayer right here. Come on. Come on, guys. Let's pray for our brother. Come on. Pray for our brother here. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. Let's pray for him. Lift him up. Lift him up. We worship you. With lips of adoration, we worship you as a company of friends. Hallelujah. So let this temple be a
Could we have, man, could we surround Brother McKeown? This is our elder, folks. This is our elder right here. Amen. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of inspiration in this man. Let's let's just let's lift him up in prayer. He is our elder. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Minister Lord. Minister Lord. Minister Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let this temple be Jesus Hallelujah. 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 dismissed, but we don't want to dis- dismiss too soon. If you, if you have a need, raise your hand. We'll come to your aid. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. We, we, we really do need in prayer concerning our folks there in Washington, D.C. this coming week. Crazy stuff. Hallelujah. And we need you in prayer at the same time for Brother Bernard and all of our leaders as they assemble in All right, we're going to just ask you to lift your hearts. So good to have Sister Carol's niece with us here today. And Ron, we hope, pray that you're not a stranger. Keep, come on, come on back. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you lift your hearts here? We are going to ask, amen, Brother Ali, if he would please pray and dismiss us here today.